Praise the Lord. And we just thank you for the worship that we had today. It's just amazing just to come before God, just to have that privilege to come before our Lord and Savior. Just to thank you. Christian was talking about the last few weeks and what we've been preaching on and what we've been looking at and how, what Jesus went through for each one of us. It's just amazing as you think about it. Just to think about how much our God loves us. You know, normally this is the time in our service where we would stand up, we would greet one another, we would introduce anybody that is coming to refuge for the first time. And a lot of times I'd ask you to look at the person next to you and ask them, how can I pray for you? So I challenge you still to do that, you know? Reach out to someone through text or through a phone call and make sure and just continue that fellowship and reach out just to see how you can be praying for the body. You know, just because we're only meeting online, it doesn't mean that we can't pray for each other and reach out to each other. So please, reach out to one another. Find out how you can pray for our brothers and sisters. And please, if you have any prayer requests, please message us. You can private message us, or you can put them on the, on the group right here. Please send us our prayer requests. We'd love to be praying for you. And if you have a testimony or a praise, what God has done or doing in your life, share that also. We'd love to hear how faithful our Lord is. Today we're going to do things a little bit different. Is I've actually asked Christian to share the message with us. I'm just I'm privileged to have him here, and I think that I continue to see that God is just affirming His place here at Refuge and here in Myanmar, and He's committed to stay. And so I'm just so privileged to be just next to Him, next to His walk with Jesus, and He's just like coming alongside Him and seeing how the Lord's going to use Him in mighty ways. Uh, many of you maybe have not met Christian uh, since he came right when we shut down. Uh, he has now been leading worship for us, which is something new for him. He's just been faithful in that. He's also leading our youth, our youth groups on Saturday night. But today, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak through him. He's got a message for us. So please just pray for him and pray for the Holy Spirit just to use him in this time and this message. And also, as we pray today, I ask that you pray that hopefully he will go to meet in person again soon. I just I'd love to see your smiling faces again, and I just, I'd love to just again fellowship in person. We don't know when that, or what that looks like right now, but let's just pray that that will happen soon, that we can meet in a safe manner. So let's pray for the message right now, and if you can, if you have any prayer requests, please, please, let us know so we can be praying for you. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this time, I thank you for this worship. Lord, let it as you heard us singing, our voices, let it just be a sweet sound to you, Lord, that we do exalt you. That we come before you, Lord, we come before the cross, we come before the altar, Lord, we just, we're here. We want to serve you, Lord. As Jesus, we've been learning about Jesus, Lord, he just, he prays for your will to be done. No matter what he had to walk through, no matter what kind of things that happened to him, as he was beaten, as he spit upon him, He's mocked and then led to the cross. Lord, let us have that same heart as Christ did, that we would just walk along this, this path that we have each other's on, but it would all be your will, Lord. Lord, we know we're going to face many things as we face that way. So, Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would just fill us. Give us the strength that we don't have. But I pray for this message today, Lord, that will be part of it. It would be an encouragement to each one of us, and we would learn more more and more about who our God is, and how much He loves us, and how much He wants us to embrace us, 
and we to abide in Him. So Lord, I just pray the Holy Spirit who just blessed Christian in this message, Lord, that we would hear from you, God, today. You would use Him. Lord, He would set all things aside. We would just hear from your Spirit today. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. Please welcome Christian. And thank you, Pastor Aaron. So I'm super blessed to be able to just share from God's Word with you guys today. What an amazing opportunity we have to be able to study the Word. And uh, it's how amazing our God is that He has given us His Word. Uh, it's such an incredible blessing and honor that God has given us. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 6 today. We're going to be in John chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 60 through 69 today. So John chapter 6. While you're turning there, um, again, I just want to kind of just reiterate what Pastor Aaron had just said. If you have any prayer requests and anything that you are struggling with, or you have praises, please reach out to us and let us know. So that we can rejoice and, and pray for you as one body in the Lord. So John chapter 6, while you're still turning there, I'm just going gonna to pray for our time again. So please pray with me. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity, Father, to get into your word now. Lord, when I think about your word, it's something you didn't have to give us, God. You could have left us here. You could have left us searching, Lord, searching for who you are and how you love us, God. But you didn't. You've given us your word. You're faithful, Lord, and you're merciful. So I thank you, God. I pray that, Lord, your word would just have the perfect work in our heart. That as we read it, as we study it, as we learn it, God, that we would just be drawn closer to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, just fill us with your Holy Spirit. We invite your presence here, God. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so John chapter 6, verses 60 through 69. So before we get into these verses here, I'd just like to give you a little bit of context. Because John chapter 6 is a very long chapter. And so, in John chapter 6, we're going to just look at the, the context here. What's going on and, and, and what is the situation here that we find Jesus in? So at this point in time, Jesus is getting deep into his ministry. He's been doing many miracles at this point. He's raised people from the dead. He's, he's given uh, sight to the blind. He's done many amazing miracles. He's been teaching often. And Jesus was teaching a message to the people, and they had no food. And we see in the beginning of chapter 6, that Jesus does an incredible miracle by feeding the 5,000. Now, we don't, we don't get the exact number here, but we are given 5,000 men. Now, if you included women and children, there could have been nearly 20,000 people that was fed by Jesus supernaturally from five loaves of bread and two fish. It's an incredible miracle Jesus did at the beginning of chapter 6 here. What we see after Jesus had fed the multitudes, he crossed the, he crossed the sea, right? At this point, Jesus was on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He crossed over. He crossed over to Capernaum. This is an amazing story because we see in verse 15, Jesus didn't get across the river by a boat, right? He walked on the sea. Amazing. Jesus' disciples were able to see his ultimate authority over his creation and see creation submit itself to Jesus. He walked on the water. So then we, we see the multitudes come back, right? The multitudes that Jesus had just fed supernaturally. They, they're looking for Jesus. They want to know where he's at so they can, they can hear from him more. They can, and they can receive more from Jesus. So once they find out Jesus had crossed the sea and is in Capernaum, they also cross the sea. They want to be where Jesus is. So Jesus 
starts to teach uh, the, the multitudes again. Well, verse 59 tells us that there were some other people in the crowd as well. It said Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. So that tells us that there were religious leaders there, and the scribes, and the Pharisees were also likely present here. So the multitudes come over, and, and they're just, you know, they just saw this amazing miracle. I mean, supernatural. You can't explain now. Uh, nearly 20,000 people are fed from five loaves of bread and two fish, right? You can't, you can't come up with an explanation like that. So they come over and they want to see more. They want more, right? They want to see more signs. And I'm sure once the people in Capernaum, they heard about what Jesus had done, I'm sure that they were, they were like, oh yeah, I want to see a sign like that. So I want to see Jesus do something supernatural like that. So Jesus starts to teach his followers in this chapter. And he tells them, listen, you're looking for the physical. You're looking what you can see and what you can feel. But I can offer you something that will never die. I can offer you the bread from heaven. Right? Jesus is correcting their hearts. See, these people, they had a signs and wonders type of thing. They wanted what they could see. They wanted what they could feel. But they didn't have a true desire to follow after Jesus. And we'll study that in, in these verses here. So Jesus starts to teach these multitudes. And there's two things that Jesus says that really sets off the people and causes them uh, to have a lot of confusion. And remember, Jesus is in the synagogue. So I like to think, you know, the religious leaders, they probably were distorting what Jesus was saying so as to turn the hearts of the people away from Jesus. Again, we don't have that said here in, in these passages, but it, it's, it's probable. So one of the things that Jesus said was that He is the bread that has come down from heaven. So once they heard that Jesus came down from heaven, they're like, wait, how can you say you came down from heaven? We know who your father is and your mother. We know where you come from. How could you have come down from heaven? Well, the second thing Jesus said was, if you want to have life, you need to eat of my body and drink my blood. So again, I bet the religious leaders knew exactly what Jesus meant by that. They probably knew for sure he was speaking metaphorically. But we see them twisting and distorting the message of Jesus. And they said, well, how can you say that? How can you say, eat my flesh and drink my blood? They thought that Jesus was promoting a cannibalistic message. They thought Jesus was saying, what if I have life, you need to actually eat me and drink my blood. And so there was a lot of confusion now within the crowd. And we're not going to get too deep into it because we like, we're going to look at verses 60 through 69. But I do want to say what Jesus probably meant when he said, Eat of my body and drink of my blood. So, two, two things here. One is, what does our body need in order to have physical sustenance? Well, we know we need to eat and we need to drink, right? In order for our lives to be functional and to be sustained, we need food and we need water, right? We need something to drink. Well, it's the same for our souls, right? Our souls are hungry and thirsty. Our souls are hungry and thirsty. And Jesus is food, and He is drink to our souls. He fills the hungry soul, and He, and he quenches the thirsty soul through who He is. Well, number two, I think it's a great metaphor that Jesus uses here, because if you look at Jewish tradition and culture, eating was a very personal ordeal. It was a very personal and intimate time. Well, here's why. The reason is, when Jewish, when Jewish people would partake in a meal together, that meal represented unity. It represented oneness and intimacy. So let me explain this to you. If you were eating of the same bread that I was eating, we're being sustained by the same thing, right? 
The bread that is sustaining me is now sustaining you. The drink that is sustaining me is now sustaining you. Therefore, we're one. There's unity and there's oneness. And what a message from Jesus here. In order to be one with God, and in order to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father, we need to become one by eating of the, the body of Jesus and drinking of His blood. So Jesus was speaking metaphorically here. There's only one way to have true life and to have everlasting life, and it is through Jesus Christ, right? And that is the message that Jesus was trying to give to His followers and to these multitudes. So we'll pick it up. We'll see how the people respond in verse 60. So if you have your Bibles, please look at John chapter 6, verses 60 through 66. I'll read through those first. So please follow along with me. It says, Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Verse 64. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who would betray him. And he, and he said, Therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So wow, some pretty deep verses here we have, right? Some pretty deep verses. So again, there's a lot of confusion within the crowds and within the multitudes. Some of the followers of Jesus were very confused and stumped by what he had said. They questioned their faith in Christ. You know, when I look at this, I think, what, what other tactic, what greater tactics did Satan use than to distract, right? Than to distract. He tries to blind the eyes of those who don't believe and to keep them blind. And for those of us who do believe, Satan wants nothing more than to distract us in our faith and our walk with Jesus Christ. Now, I want to I draw your attention to how John words this passage. Look at verse 60. It says, Therefore, many of his disciples. I want you to notice John does not say many of those who, who did not believe in him, most of those who had just heard Jesus and didn't know who he was. That's not what he says. He says, many of his disciples. These were people who were following Jesus. Who truly, they, they, they have hunger, but they didn't know how to be filled. People who did want to believe in the Lord. And Satan is going to use any opportunity he can to distract people from truly coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So the hard word that the Lord had given them. They didn't know how to understand it, how to grasp it, how to perceive it. And you know, maybe you're in a similar state today. Maybe you're not questioning the Lordship of Jesus. But maybe you're questioning what Jesus is demanding of you. Maybe you're, you're questioning what Jesus has been saying and revealing to you by His Holy Spirit throughout the week. You know, I was reading through Luke chapter 14 this morning, and you don't have to turn there. But Luke chapter 14, in verse 33, Jesus says, Anyone who wants to follow after me must give up everything that he has. Right? Jesus requires us to give Him our hearts fully. It's a hard word that Jesus is giving. And maybe you're in a similar state than many of His disciples were, questioning Man, I don't know, this is a hard thing. Can I believe this? Can I obey this? Again, don't let the enemy distract you. This is a huge tool of Satan. He wants to derail your walk with Jesus Christ. 
But let's see what Jesus says in, in, in verse 61. It says, Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. He said, to them, does this offend you? So Jesus responds to their question with another question, right? What did Jesus say? He said, does this offend you? Understand, Jesus knew very well what was going on in his disciples' hearts. He knew they were questioning. He knew they didn't, they didn't understand this, and, and they didn't truly understand what it means to have true faith in Jesus. Jesus knows the hearts, right? He knew exactly what they were thinking. See, we can't hide behind a false faith. We can fool many people around us that what we are living, we're truly living for Christ. But Jesus sees our hearts. You know, it's a huge part of my testimony. I had many people convinced that I was following after Jesus, that I was truly living for Him, that I was loving on Jesus. But I wasn't, right? But though I could fool everyone around me, I could never fool the Lord. He knew. He knew my heart. Right? We cannot hide from the Lord. He knows every doubt and every concern in our heart. Well, look what else, his question. He said, does this offend you? <laughs> Understand, what Jesus has said and what the Word of God says, it will most certainly offend this world. Why? Because the world is in sin. The world is in darkness. Satan has dominion in this earth for a time. The world will be offended at what Jesus is teaching. But here's the question. Are you, the church, offended by what Jesus is saying? Are you offended by what Jesus is teaching? Listen, when we share the gospel, and when we share the truth of what God's word says, there's going to be hard things in it. There's going to be things in it that the world does not want to hear. The world doesn't like to hear that, that they're in sin. The world doesn't like to hear that they're wrong, right? The world doesn't like to hear that they need a Savior. It's our pride, it's our flesh. Is what Jesus is saying in Ben We need to live out the word of God and we need to speak the truth of God's word in its entirety. I want to remind you of something Jesus said in Luke 8. He said, if you are ashamed of me on earth, I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me on earth, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. That's pretty severe, right? It's very intense. Understand, Jesus, he dealt in a lot of absolutes when he taught on this earth. Jesus said, if you want to be last, you need to be first. Uh, first, you need to be last. If you want to live, you need to die. Right? Anyone who's not for me is against me. That's what Jesus said. <laughs> so pretty straightforward. It's the same thing with this. We cannot be offended or ashamed of what the Word of God says. We need to live God's Word and we need to proclaim it in the truth in its entirety. Over 62, Jesus says, What if then you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? So here we see Jesus kind of rehashing his first point. Remember the first thing that we said Jesus taught the multitudes that kind of caused them to be stumbled? Well, that thing was Jesus said, I came down from heaven. And the people didn't, the people couldn't grasp that, right? Because again, they were like, we know where you're from. We, we know exactly where you're from. How can you come down from heaven? So Jesus is saying, listen, if you can't believe that I've come down from heaven, you can see me. You can see me. You can see the miracles that I'm performing. You can see the wonders that I'm doing. You can see my works. If you can't believe that I came from God and that I came from heaven, then how are you going to believe me ascending in glory? How are you going to how are you going to believe me when you see me ascend and reign in my glory? Right? These people were trying to understand me. They were trying to chew on me before they could before they could uh, handle the milk, so to speak. Right? Again, these people were very science and wonder-centered. 
They wanted to see. They wanted to be able to comprehend with their minds. And here's the thing, we can't. God is not interested in a signs and wonders faith. God is interested in sincere and genuine faith. Oh, we know this in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Paul says, we walk by faith, not by sight. It's not about what we can see. Right? It's not about what we can see. Well, I think of Thomas instantly, right? When Jesus had risen from the dead, the disciples had seen the risen Jesus. But Thomas had not seen him yet. So the other disciples told Thomas they had seen the Lord, and Thomas said, Unless I feel the prints in his hand and feel a side, I don't believe that Jesus is truly risen from the dead. So Jesus comes, and he says, Thomas, feel, feel the prints in my hand and feel my side. You believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who believe though they have not seen. That's what true faith is. God is not interested in, in us testing Him. He's interested in us taking Him for who He is and trusting Him as Lord in our lives. And maybe you're trying to understand the deep things of God. You're trying to wrap your mind around all these deep theological things, but you're missing out on the main elementary truths of the Word of God. Do you know how deeply Jesus loves you? Do you know the fact that Jesus died on the cross and He left His glory to take your place on the cross? That He rose again from the dead? We need to understand this, right? We need to understand this. Well, let's pick it up in verse 63. In verse 63, Jesus starts to explain the difference between the truth of the Spirit, the truth of the Holy Spirit, and the artificial or fake truth of the flesh, right? Look what Jesus says. He says, the Spirit is life. The flesh profits nothing. So Jesus has to explain this to the multitudes again. There is no other way to have life but through a relationship with Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. The flesh can never satisfy. The flesh can never fill the void and the emptiness and the longing inside of our hearts. Right? I think about this. I think about going on a run on a hot day. When you go on a long run on a very hot day, what happens? You get really thirsty, right? Your throat gets super dry and you just get super thirsty. Well, you know, if I, if I just ran about, you know, four miles and it's really hot outside and someone hands me an ice cold Coca-Cola. I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be really excited about that. I'm going I'm to drink that Coca-Cola. And initially, it's going to taste great. It's going to feel so refreshing. But what happens with soda, right? Once that soda dries, it gets sticky in your throat. And you realize that didn't quench your thirst at all. As a matter of fact, it just made me even more thirsty. And the flesh can be uh, compared to that in a similar manner. Listen, the flesh can never satisfy you. This world can never satisfy the longings of your heart. And if you're watching this and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I promise you something, you will never find life outside of Jesus Christ. You will never find the joy that you're seeking. The, the longing and the satisfaction and the deep emptiness in your heart can only be filled through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, maybe you're here today and you're a Christian, right? You're like, well, how does this apply to me? Well, what are you chasing after during the week? Are you giving heed to the flesh throughout the week? Listen, we know every single day it's a battle against our flesh and the Spirit. Paul says this in Galatians 5. It's a daily war. It's a daily struggle. Right? Are you choosing the flesh over the Spirit? We need to be seeing the fruit of God's Spirit in our lives each and every day. Right? Only the Holy Spirit can bring us joy. Can bring us peace. And you know, especially in, in times like this where it's it's hard, right? We struggle a lot throughout the week. There's many difficulties and trials that come up. There's a lot of tribulations that we face and constant spiritual warfare. 
Is your faith and trust in God's Spirit? Are you holding on to what Jesus has said? Because look what else he says in verse 63. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Are you holding on to what God is telling us in His Word? Are you holding on to the truth of the Word? That's why it's so important that each and every day, every morning, we give our time to be in God's Word and pray to Him. Right? The flesh profits nothing. So, if you're looking for joy and you're looking for, for happiness, if you're looking for peace, and you are, you're a believer, you're a Christian, right? But you're looking for our remedy to all of your problems and all of your worries and your anxieties and your depression. And you're wondering, why am I feeling like this as a Christian? Are you giving your time to God's Word? Are you trusting in the truth of the Word of God and God's Spirit? It's the Spirit who gives life. There is so much freedom in trusting God. There's so much freedom in being obedient to the Holy Spirit and to what He's calling us to do. Your flesh wants nothing more than for you to question and to doubt. God's calling in your life. And you know what? I think this is a really uh, relevant, a relevant topic right now, especially with the lockdown. Maybe you've been struggling lately. And it goes back to verse 60, right? Remember when we said Satan seeks to distract you. It seeks to, to sow in your mind thoughts to get you derailed in the walk of Christ. And you know what? Maybe you've been struggling with that, especially in this lockdown. You may be a pastor, maybe you're serving in the ministry. And you, you just heard the voice of the enemy just say, you're not doing what God has called you to do. How can you be obeying God when you're in lockdown when you can't even leave your house? Do not listen to the lies of the enemy. You know, maybe you're in a rough spot right now. Maybe you're not getting the financial needs. Maybe you're not getting, maybe you're sick. And you're, you're just going through a lot of trials and tribulations. The enemy wants you to question the provision of Jesus in your life. He wants you to question the truth of God's word. It's in the hard times that we need to take God's word seriously. We need to truly trust Him. I just want to encourage you. Do not walk away from the calling of God in your life. The calling of God is always going to have trials. It's always going to have tribulations, but God is faithful. And His Spirit gives life. His Word gives life. Jesus said it. You can go through it. This is the, God, the truth of God's word. Let's look at verse 64. Jesus said, there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. So here we see it again, right? Jesus knows the hearts of the people. He knows the hearts of his followers and the multitude. He knew that they didn't truly follow after him. And you know what? Again, Jesus knows all. And when I thought about this, I thought, you know, man, that can be a little... A little discouraging, right? Jesus knows your heart. You can't hide from Him. <laughs> he knows if you truly believe in Him or not. But, I, you know, I saw something else by the Spirit here. Jesus knows your heart. Whatever it is that is causing you to worry, whatever your anxiety is in your heart, I want to encourage you with this. Jesus knows your heart. And just as Jesus knew here who it was who did and didn't believe in Him, so He knows the struggles and the anxieties in your heart. And I just pray you would surrender those. I pray you surrender those at the foot of the cross today. That you would lay down whatever it is that is separating you from Christ. Whatever it is that is causing you to worry, that is consuming your sleep at night. And consuming you to just be off track with your walk with Christ. I just encourage you. Jesus knows exactly what it is you're struggling with. Lay it down at the foot of the cross. So again, He sees right through our hearts. And I pray that if, if you've struggled with your walk with Jesus Christ, if maybe you've convinced everyone around you that you are truly following after Jesus, again, I just want to reiterate this point. Jesus knows your heart. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want to give you an invitation to truly believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Right? We're saved by God's grace through our faith, through our trust and our belief in God and Jesus Christ. It's only through faith in Him, a true faith, a faith that trusts God, a faith that loves God. It's not about what we can see. It's about what Christ wants to do in our hearts. Well, verse 65, it says, Jesus said, therefore, I said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. So here we see it. Not everyone will accept the gospel. Not everyone will believe on Jesus. What Jesus said before, he said, many are called, but few are chosen. Jesus extends his love and his mercy to all, but not all follow it. Not all accept it, right? Please understand, Jesus never forced himself on anyone. Just as he has enforced himself on you and on me. I'll tell you, when I wake up every morning, Jesus doesn't come down and slap me with the Bible and say, make sure you read my word today. Right? Jesus doesn't come down with a bullhorn and scream in my ear, I'm talking to you, make sure you talk to me through prayer today. He doesn't do that. He doesn't force himself on me. It's a choice I have to make. And that is why the struggle is real each and every day. And that is why it's so important that we give place to Jesus in our lives. But again, Christ will never force himself on anyone. And again, maybe you're watching this and you don't believe and you have the question, well, if Jesus is truly the only way to salvation, and the only way to have eternal life is to truly believe in Him as Lord and Savior, right? Why doesn't He just make everyone believe in Him? Why, why doesn't He just make us all happy in Him? Maybe you have a question today. Right? Maybe you're struggling with that. Well, let me tell you why. If Jesus made you believe in Him, that wouldn't be true faith at all, right? He'd be forcing you to believe. He'd be a forced belief. It goes down to the slave and the bondservant, right? What is a slave? A slave is someone who is taken against his own will to do something he doesn't want to do. That's what a slave is. A bondservant is one who willfully puts himself in a position of a slave because he loves to serve his master. That is the type of faith that Jesus is looking for. He will never force himself on any man, woman, or child. He will never force himself on anyone. It is a choice that we have to make. Right? It's a choice we have to make. Jesus is calling you today. He's been calling you. He's been tugging at your heart. If only you would turn to Him and believe in Him as Lord and Savior. If only you would come to realize that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. He's been tugging at your heart ever since you were born. That's the beautiful thing about our Savior. And maybe you wonder, well, how is Christianity different than the religions of this world? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Jesus Christ is seeking you out. Jesus Christ wants you, He loves you, He desires you, and He wants a personal relationship with you each and every day. But He's never going to force Himself on you. Never. And so, if Jesus is calling you today, how will you respond? How will you respond? We're going to see in verse 66... How many of his disciples responded to this invitation? There's two ways you can respond. You can believe in him as Lord and Savior, you can walk away from him. And if you're saved today and you're wondering, I, I just want to throw this out there. What is Jesus giving you a choice to do? What is Jesus calling out for you to do? Be obedient to what he's commanding you. Even as believers, we still have a choice each and every day. We have to choose to willfully obey and follow after Jesus Christ. We have to choose each and every day that I'm going to give place to Jesus and I'm going to say no to this world. Right? We have the same, we have the same, uh, the same option here. We can obey or we can disobey. And so my prayer today is that we just give our hearts fully to Jesus. We give our hearts fully to Him. Let's read verse 66. 
One of the most saddest verses, I think, in, in God's Word. We see just an incredibly tragic verse here. Look what it says. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Wow, what a sad verse, right? What an incredibly tragic verse. After Jesus had talked to them, they realized that they weren't going to follow him. They turned away from him. They didn't want to follow him anymore. Again, Jesus didn't throw his hands up when they walked away. He was like, whoa, wait, wait, come back, come back. Let me explain myself, right? Jesus never compromised what he said. Because again, he was never going to willfully make people believe in him. These people, they just so, again, they wanted to appease their flesh. They wanted the signs and wonders that Jesus could do. Jesus, what can you do for me today? What can you do? Right? They wanted Jesus like a spare tire. Let me explain my example here. We all know what a spare tire is, right? When you're driving in a car, your spare tire is sitting at the bottom of the car in case one of your tires blow. And once your tire blows, then you pop out that spare tire. But if all four of your tires are well and you're driving good, you never give regard to that spare tire. You never think about it. You use it when you need it, right? And that's what these people, that's how they view Jesus. They wanted Him to appease what they wanted. They wanted Him to do for them what they wanted physically. They wanted to see, feel, and touch the promises of God. Right? They wanted to see more in order to believe. Again, I pray that we're turning to Jesus with sincere faith each and every day. And I want to throw this, you know, I just want to, I was looking at this, and I didn't really think about this until now, but just looking at this verse, it said many of his disciples walked away from Jesus. I thought about when Jesus went to the cross. He probably thought about these very people. And you know what? Did he turn away from them? Did he turn away from these people and refuse to go on the cross? No. Because even though these people turned their back on Jesus, he never turned his back on them. And it's the same for us. Before we knew Christ, right? We kicked against the goat, so to speak. We were kicking and screaming, and we turned away from Jesus, we rejected Him, we turned our back on Him, but He never turned His back on us. Just think about what Jesus has done for us. He willfully endured the cross. Again, the cross was just a brutal display, I mean, a, a shameful display. You were, you were practically stripped naked while you were hanging on that cross. For many people to look at you, you were viewed and regarded as, as a vile criminal. People would spit upon you and mock you and revile you when you are hanging on the cross. Blood probably dripping in Jesus' eyes, right? Just in a very shameful display up on Calvary, right? They mocked him and spit upon him and abused him, reviled him, persecuted him. But guess what? Jesus died for the very men who did that to him. Jesus died for you and for me. Please understand, Jesus never turned his back on you. Please don't turn your back on him, right? We're faced with this choice each and every day. Are we going to follow Jesus or are we going to turn away from him? Are we going to say yes to Jesus or are we going to say yes to the world? I pray we would never turn away from Jesus. I pray we would read verse 66 and we would learn from it. We'd see it for the way it is. It's a sad, tragic verse and I pray that we would never put ourselves in the same position. Well, let's read verses 67 through 69 and we'll look at the last three verses here. Verse 67, it says, Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Verse, 60, verse 69, Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So here we see it, right? Jesus turns to his twelve disciples and he gives them the same 
He gives them the same opportunity as the multitudes had. He said, hey, listen, are you going to turn away too? Are you going to turn back? Are you going to continue to follow me? That is what Jesus gave to his disciples here. I don't love Peter. I think he hit the nail right on the head. All right, Peter understood. Peter understood there was no other way. Peter understood that there was no other way to have life, no other way to have peace and joy and satisfaction outside of Jesus Christ. Peter knew. Remember, Peter and a lot of the disciples, right, they were fishermen before Jesus called them. And I'm sure Peter remembered what his life was like before Jesus came. Right? He, was, he was a fisherman. I love the story when Jesus first calls Peter because Peter was out fishing all night. All night he's fishing. He can't catch anything. And then he comes to shore in the morning and Jesus is there. And Jesus is like, hey, go on and cast your nets. And if I were Peter, I'd be a wise guy. I'd be like, uh, listen, I don't know who you are. I'm the fisherman here. I didn't catch anything all night. Right? But Jesus, Jesus tells him, go out. Go out again and cast your net. And so Peter does it, and he casts his net, and he gets so many fish that they can't even fit them on the boat. Peter knew what his life was like before Jesus had entered. Peter knew the emptiness that he had. And just like Peter fishing is the same for each one of us, before Jesus, we throw our nets in the water, and guess what? It comes up empty. We're never full. But when Jesus enters in, and when Jesus entered in Peter's life, that's when he had his catch of fish, right? Peter knew what his life was like before Jesus. And after Jesus entered in, Peter knew it. Peter experienced Jesus' teaching. He experienced Jesus performing these miracles. And he knew that this was the way. That there was no other way to salvation. There was no other way to eternal life. Peter had come to believe in Jesus truly with all of his heart. And you know what? The world will teach you a lot of things. And I just, I love when, I, when you compare it to the world teaches you and you compare it to what God is teaching you. It's just, it's incredible difference. Let me give you an example here. What the world teaches you today is that you don't have any purpose in life. Right? Life is meaningless. There's no point of life. It teaches you you're, you're, not, you're an accident, right? You were accidentally put here. Now what does Jesus say? Jesus said, no, you're not an accident. You are loved unconditionally. Right? You weren't evolved accidentally. I formed you when you were in your mother's womb. I crafted your heart individually, right? I made you. I know you. That's what Jesus has taught us. Right? We also see that there is, Jesus has a plan for each and every day, right? That you can walk in and make an impact for the kingdom in this world. What Jesus teaches us is, is sorely different than what the world teaches us. And I, and I pray that I would just truly thank you what Jesus teaches us. And I'm sorry if you can't hear me the mic now. Um, please pray. And I pray that we would just believe and truly come to faith in what Jesus is telling us. You are loved conditionally so much. God of this universe would lay down his life for you. That God Almighty would give his life for you because he loves you that much. Without Jesus, we have nothing to live for. There is no life apart from the Son. There's no life apart from Jesus. This world will never satisfy us. Again, Peter knew this. You know, I woke up this morning. When I woke up this morning, I, I, I the Lord has put a thought in my mind. And I thought about this, and, and the Lord, I just saw the Lord ask me, Have you forgotten me? Have you forgotten me? Have you forgotten who I am and what I've done for you? And I thought about that. As I read through God's Word, I read through Psalm 107 this morning. It's a beautiful psalm. I encourage you to read it. 
Psalm 107 talks about how Christ has delivered us, how the Lord has delivered us from all of our, our sins, our bondage. He offered us deliverance. You look at Israel in the Old Testament. Every time Israel, when they left Egypt, before they crossed the Jordan River, they were commanded, take stones with you. Why? So when your children come to you and they're like, Father, what do these stones mean? You can tell them, these stones represent when God took us from our bondage and from our slavery out of Egypt, when, when the waves were up to our neck, He parted the sea so that we could walk across it. God has delivered us. That's what these, that's what these mean. And you know what? I just pray that we would remember what Christ has saved us from. We would remember, and maybe it's a dark thought, remember who you were before Jesus Christ. Remember who you were before you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Remember the emptiness and the longing in your heart. And remember what Jesus has done for you. Right? And then I want to throw the same question out to you as we close here with what Peter asked. Where else are you going to go? In light of what Jesus Christ has done for you in, our, in each one of your lives, where else are you going to go? I pray that we would recognize who our God is. Our God is so much greater than the philosophies of man, so much greater than the teachings of man. Right? Only Jesus can satisfy. And so again, if you're here today and you don't believe, I pray that you would come here to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation for you. That you would stop running and that you would stop trying to fill your heart with the things of this world and you would turn to the one who gives life. Partake of Jesus. He alone can quench the hunger and thirst in your soul. And if you're here today and you believe in Jesus, I still pray that you would turn to Jesus today. I pray you surrender to Him. Anything that is causing you worry or giving you anxiety, anything that has been separating you from, from, from Jesus, I pray that you would just lay that down at the foot of the cross today and understand only Christ can satisfy. Our God is capable. He's able to not forget who your God is and what He is delivering you from. So please pray with me. Lord, I just thank you, Father, for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that while we were dead in our sins and our bondage, you gave us life, Lord. You offered us eternal life. You gave away when there was no way, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you offered us a way to be reconciled to you, a way to be filled. A way for our hungry soul and our thirsty soul to be satisfied and filled. And it is through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray whatever we are holding back from you today, I pray we would surrender that to you. I pray we would surrender all that we are at the foot of the cross. And that, Lord, we would just walk, uh, Lord, just, we would just walk afresh with you each and every day. That you would just take us deeper with you, Lord. Pray for anyone who doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation for them, Lord. That they would turn away from the world and the artificial fulfillment that this world offers, God, and they will turn to the true living God. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you for saving us. And we thank you, Lord, for redeeming us. I thank you for this afternoon, Lord. I just, I just praise you, God, for who you are. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.